All right, guys, Romans 8, starting in verse 9. Okay, if you don't have a Bible, same as before, put your hand up. We'll bring you a Bible. If you don't own one, it's our free gift to you. Please take it and uh, take it home with you. Don't be shy. Everyone's always a little hesitant. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. The guys will come and bring it to you. Okay, and gals. There it is. There's one. Okay. Turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 9. All right. So we kind of started Romans 8 two weeks ago, and we said, and I said this last week, that we found in, in Romans 7 to 8, there was this transition between law and spirit. Hey, hand higher. Hey, don't be jealous. No, I mean, jealous isn't the right word. Shy. Don't be shy. Uh, don't be jealous of everyone's Bible. Um, <laughs> So we found ourselves in the midst of this transition between chapter 7 and chapter 8. Okay, again, chapter 7, we saw law come up 24 times in 25 verses. We flip over to chapter 8, we see spirit 22 times in 28 verses. And so what we've been trying to do is just begin to get a bit of an understanding of how the Holy Spirit interacts with us in this world. How it's interacted with our past, how it interacts with our present, and then today was going to be the future, okay? But we're going to throw you a bit of a curveball, okay? Because two weeks ago, when we looked at how the Holy Spirit um, really identifies our past as, as not condemned, right? There is, ne- there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So when God looks at the body of work that we've done, and he sees it through the lens and the seal of the Holy Spirit, you are found blameless. You are found righteous. This is good news for all of us as we look to our past, okay? Then we looked at last week, man, the present reality of the Spirit in our lives has significant consequence on whether or not we choose to think about the Spirit or think about the flesh. We decide to think about God and righteousness or sin and depravity. And so where we sow our minds, the way we set our minds, the way we think has consequences in this world. Now, again, we were going to move right into what is the future work of the Holy Spirit? Where is he taking us? What's that going to look like? But here's what I felt this week, more and more, and even looking at the text, two things. One, Paul's about to, he, uh, uh, about to hit future glory significantly in like two passages, right? So we're, we're getting there where we're going to talk about future glory big time. And so this week, what we want to do, the second reason is because I realized that, man, I was telling you guys, set your minds on this, set your minds on this, or not on this, rather, because of the consequence of what it would look like, right? That's, that's really what we looked at last week. Set your minds on the spirit because these are the positive consequences. Don't set your mind on the flesh because these are the negative consequences and realize, okay, what are we gonna choose? What I realized this week was that if we make a decision based just on consequence, man, we're missing it entirely. This is like me coming up to you, right? It's, it's like me going up to, where's Dane? It's like me going up to Dane and say, Dane, you should date the girl sitting next to you, uh, just to make you feel awkward, and uh, you should date her because it could lead to marriage, right? It's saying, Dane, date this girl because then marriage is a benefit for you, right? And not even actually talk about how great of a girl she might be. So what I was doing last week was we're just laying out for you, listen, choose this because of the end result and not because of the who the Holy Spirit is. And so today, man, we're just going to do our best and condense probably what's a 52-week sermon series into about 35 minutes, okay? Yeah, I'm going to go quick, right? We're going to look at, man, who is the Holy Spirit, right? What does he do? What's he do? I never know what he's doing in there, right? 
It's a Wedding Crashers reference. If you've seen it, you shouldn't have. Don't see it if you haven't, okay? Uh, what's the Holy Spirit doing? Who is the Holy Spirit? So then when we get to the end of this, we say, okay, this is who God is. This is the Holy Spirit that indwells my soul, my heart, my body. And these are the consequences. I can take a fully informed decision. Where do I want my life to go? Okay. And so we're going to stare at him today and hopefully just rejoice. Okay. I don't want you guys feeling that we just focused on consequences. I was just telling Dane, get married, right? We don't need... What if I told that to Dane and she was a total wench, right? And... Right, no, here's what's funny. I, I looked up that word because I was like, man, should I say wench? But then I looked it up, thank, thank you, Urban Dictionary, and it's really just a voluptuous female pirate type woman, <laughs> usually with a fiery attitude and usually seen around taverns, bars, seafood fishing towns, wherever pirates roam. Okay, so, <laughs> so in the midst of all of this, right, if I just said, yeah, go for her because you can marry her, but you're not into pirate women, <laughs> we've missed out, right? So... What we're going to talk about and characterize the Holy Spirit with, I hope you all leave here understanding, man, what are the depths to which the Holy Spirit exists in our heart, manifests himself in the way he works in these different roles, and then make a decision about where we want to begin to set our minds and walk. Amen? All right. Um, So let's go. Uh, Verse 9 says this. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Okay, so right away, you, however. So you see a however. It's in direct contrast to whatever came before. So what did we land with last week in verse 8? The one that, ha- that, that lives in the flesh cannot please God, Right? The one who lives in the flesh cannot please God. And so you, however, can please God. If, big clarifier, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, okay? That's the clarifier for us today. What is the whole, why? What's the Holy Spirit doing? And so we're going to look at, listen, if you're note takers today, and I hope you are because we're actually, because we're kind of doing survey of the Spirit here, it's going to be a lot of verses, right? We're going to, and I don't usually like doing this, but we're going to look at, okay, the different roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and so we're going to hit a bunch of verses, and we're going to do it in three Ps, right? Because I'm a, I'm a preacher, and so there has to be kind of some type of alliteration. And so three Ps, physical, personal, practical. The Holy Spirit indwells our heart and does these things, implications, physical, personal, practical. All right, so let's look at physical. The Holy Spirit physically lives in you, right? Like, like he's paid his rents, he's moved in, he's got the mattress on the ground, he, probably propped up, right? He's luxury. The Holy Spirit lives in you physically. It's not a metaphor, Right? Also, at the same time, you can't cut yourself open and see him, okay? So don't try it, okay? Right? Don't try it. That's actually our kids' activity. We're like, eh. Uh, And all the parents left. Fantastic. The Holy Spirit physically indwells the believer, okay? And, And listen, I don't know how that works, but that's what the Bible says. And we talked about it last week, right? 
that there was kind of that, that, uh, that supernatural high five, right? So Jesus leaves this earth, Holy Spirit comes down, they, you know, tag you're it, Holy Spirit comes in, indwells the believer, physically. Don't know how it works, but that's what he does, okay? That's what he does. Um, some of us, and I've heard this quote a lot from people as I've met with you guys and just talked to people on the street, they say, okay, I might believe or it'd be easier for me to live out my faith if Jesus were still here, right? Like, like if, if I could hang out with Jesus, like if, if I could just sit down, we could do lunch, he could clarify some of the teachings in here, you know what, then, then I'd be good, right? Then I'd give my life fully over if, I just, if Jesus just could have been here. But Jesus was smarter than that. God was smarter than that because he knows that deep down inside we are so driven by emotion that we would have enjoyed our time with Christ but it was going to wear off. That Christ couldn't consistently always hang out with you, right? There's 8 billion people in this world. He doesn't like you that much, okay? Jesus had to go and in John 16 says, it's better that I go. Jesus says this. They're all saying, Christ, don't go. Don't go. Stay. We need you. We need you. We need you. And he says, listen, guys, it's better for you that I leave. It's better for you that physically Christ would walk out, die, leave, and send us his Holy Spirit. Just think of that. That Man, we live, listen, we live in a time of the greatest blessing this world has ever seen because the presence of the Holy Spirit exists in us. There is not a greater gift this world has ever seen than the Holy Spirit in you and in me and in the believer in Christ. That's what Christ says. Because he knew us. He knew that emotion would wear off. My wife and I went on a, on a cruise uh, back in December. And uh, how many people have ever been on a cruise before? Okay, a handful of you guys. And so um, it's a boat, right? And so they rock, okay? And, and they do this. And it's very subtle, right? Um, it's subtle until you're thrown up. But I mean, it's subtle. And then you get off the boat. And what happens? You're still, you're still a little bit of this, right? And you're stumbling around like a moron. Everyone thinks you're wasted. But you're not. No, I was on a cruise ship. But it wears off, right? Eventually... What was so real for you that stayed real for a little bit, right? Once you got off the ship, it was still, this was still your reality. But then it wore off. What Christ knew about us is that even, even if we hung, okay, if we hung out with Christ, we had this great moment, we had this great lunch, this great conversation. He laid out for us the gospel in the clearest possible terms because he's God. We would enjoy that lunch. We would walk out on a high. And then about two days later, we'd be questioning the same things that we asked him when we had lunch with him. So instead he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to give you myself in the spirit. And he will be with you always and forever to speak to you, to counsel, and to live out these other roles that we'll look at. My only question in the midst of this is would we rather, okay, and, and it, would you rather play alongside Michael Jordan? Or would you rather be Michael Jordan, right? What's going to make you a better basketball player? To be on his team or to have him living and working in you? It's the second one. It's the second one. Now, for those of you who don't know basketball, okay, 
Like that'd be like Gretzky for hockey. Okay, that would be, uh, I don't know, it's a debate. Probably Drew Brees for football. Uh, some debate, I know, with that one. And then some guy named uh, Bjork or something like that for curling, if you're a big curling fan. Uh, been getting really into curling as the Olympics come around, but that dude's the man, okay? Would we rather have Jesus walking alongside of us or Jesus working out in and through us? That's the physical reality of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. That which the Father does, you do, because he dwells in you and in me, okay? Next one, personal, personal. Personally, the Holy Spirit in you has implications about your identity, about your worth, and about your value. When the Holy, okay, all of your life, you're being told you need to find yourself, right? Here all the time, it's in media everywhere, you know, it's like, oh, I can't date you because I just, I don't, I got to go find myself first, right? And, and that's very pop, and it sounds really like, oh man, you're deep, you're going to go find yourself. Okay. The truth about finding yourself is all of us are constructs of context, you hear me? We're all constructs of context. That when you are in this moment, okay, and you have the, the context, the environment, the resource at your disposal that you do right now, those things are shaping your reality. Then when you say something like, you know what, I'm going to go find myself, all you really do is move yourself over to a new context, a new environment that's now influencing your current reality. That's just the truth about us. There is no such thing as being completely independent and just you. We're too formed by culture. We're too formed by the people around us and by sin in our heart. So the personal reality of the indwelling of the Spirit of God in your life gives us the answer to which we find the greatest, the apex of creational identity. Okay? The apex of creational identity is whose are you and not who are you? That's the biggest question in regards to your identity personally. Not who are you, but whose are you? Okay? Whose are you? Are you being fed? Uh, are you being encouraged? Are you being moved by the world and all of its constructs or by God? the one that created you, the one that made everything we see, everything we know, that created our hearts to do the things they do, to create our minds, to even think the thoughts you're thinking this very moment. The apex of creational identity is answered for us by the presence of the Holy Spirit inside the believer's heart. They belong to God. They are children of God, the greatest identity humanity can know. Next week, Anthony is going to come up. We've got a few things planned, but he's going to be preaching about adoption. And it was funny because he always jokes that I give him all the bad passages to preach. That one's money. Like, even, listen, if you, if you leave today and like, dude, that was awful, come back next week and just be encouraged by Christ coming and getting you and bringing you into the family. Okay? Personal identity, the indwelling of the Spirit, this is what 
happens, okay? Last one, practical, okay? Practically, what's the Holy Spirit doing, right? How's he working? How's he manifesting? What's he do? The whole deal. Um, and we're going to look at it through other names given to the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. Other identities and names given to the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible, and then we'll look at texts that kind of run through them. There is a bunch. We're just going to look at six, okay? There's a bunch. We'll just look at six. Here's the first one. Author, okay? Holy Spirit, author. Second Peter 1.21 says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So listen, no prophecy, no Bible, nothing was written that was the mouth of God that was done by man that didn't include the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the author of creation. He's the author of the Bible. He's the author of prophecy. And so we should listen up when he, when, he, when he speaks, when he writes. We should read. We should be engaged. He is the author. Second one, he's the comforter, counselor, advocate. Okay, there's three words. They're all used kind of interchangeably th- throughout Scripture. It's the word parakletos, if you're into the Greek, which I know you all are, uh, and so, which means paraclete or helper. Helper, but it's given comforter, counselor, advocate. John 14, 16 says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Right? I'm going to go to God. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to God. I'm going to ask him, listen, send them a helper. Send them a comforter. Send them an advocate. Send them someone that in the midst of pain and trial and hurt that this world surely brings to all of us, we're right there with them, right? Not just alongside, but truly inside. To encourage, to love, to give hope, and to point to Jesus. Um, here's why this is so important. This is why the Holy Spirit is the best comforter, the best advocate for us, is because he's God. If the Holy Spirit's not God, listen, he's as good as a good friend, right? He, he's as good as Anthony to me. If he's not God, he's just, he might have some suggestions, but the truth is the Holy Spirit can be the best comforter, the best advocate because he's God, because he knows all things, knows all of you, knows every intricacy of what you need to hear when you need to hear it for your greatest joy. For your greatest joy. Um... So much of advice that we give is so limited, right? We do our best with friends, you know, something's going wrong. We try and give advice, we try and give counsel, but it's so limited because, listen, we don't know exactly what's going on in their hearts. Context changes everything. How many people, have you seen the Jimmy Kimmel clip where he's looking at, uh, he's looking at weather in California? Have you guys seen that? Yeah? So it's already funny? Great. Um, so Jimmy Kimmel, he does this thing. He took all these clips of California weather people, right, um, during a storm in California. And so it goes to clip to clip to clip, and you have all of these news anchors just saying, like, man, it is crazy out there. Please drive safe. It's torrential downpour. And then it cuts to a puddle, right, with, like, seven drops. It's probably a sprinkler 
coming from the side. I mean, it's, and over and over and over, it's constant, these clips, over and over and over, for all these anchors saying, man, are you okay out there? And it's close to the woman, she's like, it's just so windy, you know? And, and it's like one little, like a lock of hair is like doing one of these, you know? And it's because there's a guy blowing on her. I mean, it's just like, all the advice given, right, in life is given in a context. So for the Californian, right, who doesn't know weather, right, right, has never read anything, like my, <laughs> my in-laws, uh, all they see is, man, this is worse than it was before, and so, yeah, they must, what the advice they're giving must be really good. And so it doesn't seem as crazy to the Californian to watch the news and see that, but it seems pretty wild to us who can have a beautiful morning and then have like this awkward hail stuff and then switch to snow and then it's rain and then it's, I don't know. All the advice that we give, that we are given by the Holy Spirit is perfect. All of the comfort you can receive from the Holy Spirit is perfect. All of the advocacy before God you can receive by the Spirit is perfect because he knows you fully. He knows everything about you, indwells you, and so when he gives comfort, be comforted. When he advocates, just let him do that before God. Sit in peace before God because the Holy Spirit is your advocate. Okay. The third one. He is also a convictor. John 16, eight. we don't like this one that much. John 16, eight. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Right? So when he comes, he's pointing out all your junk. Right? So, so when he's in your heart, when you're going and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I shouldn't do this, that's not you. Right? There's a few things that are culturally known. So I don't, it's, it's, you don't have to be a believer to know don't murder, right? That's just culturally we, we've gotten that one somehow, sometimes, right? But even that, we fail at, right? The Holy Spirit comes and convicts so that you can walk in light and righteousness and not darkness and pain. The Holy Spirit does that. He's the one, listen, there's no angel on this side and Satan on this side, okay? If you've seen them, you've been on drugs, okay? (laughs) Holy Spirit in you, convicting. I was at Chipotle. It's always a good option. And, uh, and I saw a guy, you know how they give you, the, all the, you have all those Tabasco bottles that you can just go over and just put Tabasco on your burrito. I'm a Chipotle, Tabasco, the Tabasco Chipotle fan. And, uh, and so I went to go get it, and I see a guy walk in front of me before I could get to it, and he grabs it, and I was like, dang it, all right, let's go borrow it from him when he's done. Instead, I see him grab the Tabasco bottle, put it in his pocket, and walk out of Chipotle. Okay? The dude stole a $3 Tabasco bottle from Chipotle, hence ruining my burrito experience. Okay? <laughs> had he had the Holy Spirit, that doesn't happen. <laughs> right? right? We, we don't do that. The Holy Spirit in that moment says, uh, no, right? <laughs> like, that's someone else's property, and the big Asian dude wants it after you. Right? 
The Holy Spirit convicts of your sin. So listen, as you're navigating, let's just think about your day. Think about yesterday and just all the battles that you had to, ah, should I do this? Should I look at this or not look at this? Right? Should I talk to this person or not talk to this? Should I forgive or not forgive? Should I clean this room and bless my roommate or not clean this room and upset? On and on and on. The Spirit convicts and allows us the opportunity to walk in righteousness and light. Okay? Not darkness and pain. Uh, next up, he is the gift giver. Okay? He is the gift giver. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. He, uh, this is Paul. He lists a bunch of gifts and he says, All these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit is the gift giver. Okay? He gives out gifts and talents for your joy and God's glory in the world. And so we live out, we work out the gifts that God's given us. And here's the deal. I've met lots of people who say, man, you know, I wish I had that gift, right? You know, I got administration and that's, that's boring, right? That guy got tongues and that's crazy, you know? And so all the gifts that you've been given are the exact gifts that you're to be given. God doesn't make a mistake all of your talents, everything you've been equipped with, all of your gifts are the gifts that you're supposed to have for you to experience joy in this world and God to experience glory across the world. Those are the gifts given. Why again? Because God, Holy Spirit, knows everything about you. And so he knows the best gifts to give you. Last night, Verity and I were hanging out and we got... Valentine's Day coming up, and so we're talking about gifts. She says, what do you want? Usually I just say nothing because I want to spend money. Uh, but Verity says, no, you know, I'll get you something. To so I said, okay, guess, but she hates. She hates that game. I love it. I think it's hilarious, right? But she hates that game. I said, no, let's guess. You get five questions, right? You get five questions to guess. And at first, she, I think it was just like a giraffe. Or I was like, probably, but that's not what I'm looking for. Uh, but it was just like all this random stuff. And I said, no, come on, please, seriously, play the game. She does. She says, uh, you know, what is it something you eat, obviously. And then uh, on down the line, she took her, I think, three questions, and we went right to these, these, uh, these Malum Cratcher candies that you can only buy online that are actually on hold for us at Amazon because they always sell out, Okay. Any one of you in this room, I could give you a hundred, I could give you 500 questions, you never get there, right? Even the closest friends in here don't know that I am obsessed with this candy. My wife does, right? Very simply, my wife does. It, it didn't take her long to know, man, exactly what does he want and what does he need? God, I cannot stress this enough. The beauties of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit in you knows everything about you. I keep saying it. Everything about you. Everything about you. Every act of your past that you don't want anyone to know, he knows. Every act of your future that you don't know, he knows. Every reality about who you consider yourself to be, he knows more than you. 
And yet he still chooses to make that his home. He truly says, okay, in the midst of all of this, you know where I want to be? I want to be with you. I want to be in your heart. I want to be able to give you these things. I want you to experience joy. I want you to walk in righteousness. I don't want you to have to look at the things you think you have to look at. I don't want you to have to dwell on the things you think you have to dwell on. I don't want you to have to, on and on and on. Because he knows every part of you and still chooses to make that his home. So he gives the gifts he gives. He convicts of the sin he needs to convict of. He comforts when he needs to comfort. He writes when he needs to write. And then our, sixth, our fifth one, sorry. He is the revelator, okay? One who reveals the revelator. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 12. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Ready? That we might understand the things freely given by God. It's a lot. In essence, everything we know about God is because of the Holy Spirit. Everything you know about God is because of the Holy Spirit. It's not because you studied enough, okay? That helps. But even in the studying, it's the Holy Spirit doing the work. Okay, it's not because you came to enough Sundays. It's not because you had enough prayer times. It's not because you fasted enough. Everything you know about God has been revealed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. His indwelling in our hearts to make all things known and then also bring all things Christ has ever said to remembrance to us. Everything. All I can think of as I think of this truth is, is just gratefulness. Gratefulness. Had Christ not said, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you, then we wouldn't know anything. We wouldn't know about grace. We wouldn't know about forgiveness. We wouldn't know about mercy, community, eternity. We wouldn't know any of it. Except by the grace of God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Gratitude, thankfulness. God, way to go on that one. So that we would constantly know, even in the moments where we don't feel love, the Holy Spirit reminds us we are. Even in the moments where we don't feel hope, it's the Holy Spirit that reminds you to be hopeful. Even when you feel in your darkest place, it's the Holy Spirit that reminds you of light. It reveals God to us in greater degrees and in greater ways than we'll ever comprehend. What's crazy about this whole thing is everything we know and see now, the Bible says we just see dimly. So as great as God seems now, one day that glass will be clear and we will see his beauty and his glory and his majesty and his grace and his perfection in ways we've never dreamed. The Holy Spirit reveals this to us. Last one, sixth one. He's our teacher. John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you, okay? 
So he's constantly putting us in a place to learn more, right? He's constantly coming in and revealing, not just revealing, but teaching your mind. So we talked about last week, set your minds on things of the Spirit. The more we engage with God, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, he teaches you more and more how to do that and what you're setting your mind to. We learn and we grow by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He teaches us all things, right? He's a better teacher than any teacher you've ever had, right? Think of the professor that you're just like, that was the best professor, right? Mine, Mrs. Amato, second grade, unbelievable. Learned so much that year, okay? He's better, right? He teaches us so that we can continue to stay in him because he knows, Christ knows, we're fickle and we'll run at the first chance, And so he puts him inside your hearts where there's nowhere you can go, right? You go here, he's here, right? You go over here, he's here. You go to the depths, he's down there with you. You go to the heights, he's up there with you. Everywhere you go, you cannot escape the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Excuse me. See, it's a good thing you guys aren't sitting close. That's what he does. Physical, personal, practical. God in you. The one who created you said, that's where I want to call my home. That's where I want to call my home. Now, there's other ones. Deposit, seal, guide, intercessor, witness. We're going to talk about all those in the coming weeks. As we go through chapter 8, we'll hit intercessor. We're going to hit witness real hard. It's going to be great, okay? Now, what do we do with this, right? Like, what, what do we do? Now, there's, there's kind of this popular saying that people have said, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but it's let go and let God, right? And I, so I'm sure someone said that. That was like really famous. I just don't know what it is. Let go and let God, right? Let go and let God do work. Because the Holy Spirit's in there, right? He's not going anywhere. These are his roles and more. These are the things he wants to do. So stop trying to restrict him. Let him teach you, right? Be humble enough. Let God teach you. Reveal to yourself more about who he is and how to engage him in his presence, right? Let him give you gifts and then let him employ those gifts for your joy and the world's benefit. Get into the word of God. So if he's the author, read. If he's the comforter, be comforted. If he's the convictor, repent when he convicts. Stop trying to keep the Holy Spirit into a manageable place. It's God inside of you. He's doing this work. Let go and let God. Okay. Just as it's working, just, all right, hey, God, do your thing. We want to just grab so tight of everything we do in this. We hate not being in control, right? And that's all of us, as evidenced by everything we do. Let go and let God. Now, verse 10 and 11, this is where we'll land it. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So here's the benefit. We're back to consequence here. 
We're back to the benefit of this all. New life, right? That's the benefit of all of this. The presence of the Holy Spirit, the biggest consequence, the biggest joy, new life, both here and forever. New life here and new life forever. New life is the gift. We get new life right now. So you get the term born again, right? That God comes in, makes us new. We're born again. Uh, how many people have seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life, right? Amazing movie. That great scene, right? After he's seen his whole life, what it would have looked like without him, he's crying on the bridge and he's talking to God and says what? I want to live again. I want to live again. Exclaiming probably the greatest yearning that we have in our souls that we want to actually live because we just know that this isn't right. That there's this brokenness and there's pain and there's hurt in this world and we need something new. We need new life and it's found in Jesus. Okay. It's found in the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The future new life we'll talk about in a couple weeks when we get into that. But here's the thing. All of this, the indwelling of the Spirit, Everything he does in your heart did not come for free, okay? It, it wasn't this free gift to the world. Rather, there was a huge price paid that the Holy Spirit would indwell you and me, okay? 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. The cost of the Holy Spirit indwelling the believer was the greatest cost that it could have ever costed God, and it cost him his son. Right? That the price tag on the Holy Spirit, okay, was the shedding of blood and the breaking of bone. It was sacrifice that was necessary. And so again, we come back and we land full circle today and say, listen, whatever, this building, the consequences, the benefits, everything we talked about last week, meaningless outside of Jesus. Outside the gospel. The gospel story, Christ coming, God in the flesh, living, dying, resurrecting. That story, that payment cost God everything to give you the Holy Spirit, to give me the Holy Spirit, that we would walk with God wherever we go. So there's many of us here, and I don't know where we all stand, right? I mean, I've seen a lot of you guys a lot, and we've sat down, and some of us have talked about Jesus but the question we get to the end of this is, man, is, is this a reality for my life? Is the Holy Spirit with me? Do I love Jesus? One of the things that we love about this space is that we have an opportunity, I think, to engage a handful more people that don't know this truth and don't know this story. And I just want to say this, and if that's you today, if you're here and you're just like, man, I, I haven't heard much of this before. This doesn't make sense to me. But man, I, I, the Holy Spirit, that whole thing, the new life, I want that. I want that conviction. I, I want to work this out, navigate through that. Listen, Jesus loves you, died for you, rose for you, and is calling you back home. That is, that is a truth that both the Christian and the non-Christian here this morning have to believe, have to employ, and then as we respond, have to rejoice in. God in us, 
the Holy Spirit. Two questions for application as we wrap up. The first one, do you have God's spirit in you? Right? Do you have God's spirit in you? Do you love Jesus? It's very simple. And the second one, remember this last week, I had you guys just do five minutes every morning for the whole week. Just five minutes to set your mind on things of the spirit and not things of the flesh. I'm not going to ask how many people did it, okay? But I want you to do it again this week. But every day, meditate on one of the six roles that we talked about, about the Holy Spirit, okay? Each day as you wake up, five minutes, just lay there and just think. So tomorrow morning, wake up, whatever time that is, you're laying in bed, praise God for the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life that is the author of creation, of scripture, of prophecy of your life, right in everything. And I'd probably say get into the word then too, just as a rejoicing moment. Week two or day two, celebrate, meditate, think about for five minutes how he is the comforter, the advocate for you, okay? And on and on throughout your week. That's the application for us, for the believers. Again, and I said this last week, man, if we just started setting our minds on this stuff, the realities of what the Holy Spirit's doing in our life, we just start letting go and letting God and seeing all that happen, man, I'm telling you what, the joy in this room would get crazy and the joy of this city would be astronomical. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, again, we just thank you for this space and how it just gives us the opportunity to talk about Jesus a lot to more people God, and in a way, God just allows us to allow your Holy Spirit to work more. I pray that we would use this space for your glory. Holy Spirit, that you would use this place just as a place where you just do work. Do work in our hearts. Do work in our minds. Do work in our bodies. Do work in our church. Do work in our homes. God, that you would, Holy Spirit, just bring together broken relationships God, that you would counsel the broken and hurting in this room right now. Lord, that Holy Spirit, we don't even know how you do it, but as you're in us and we're in pain, that you would bring comfort. God, that when we walk towards sin and death, Lord, that you would convict and draw us back and lead us towards life. Holy Spirit, we pray that we would learn what it means to have God in us. That is just, it's, it's a reality and a truth that, is incomprehensible. So Lord, give us and teach us and reveal to us more what that means. We are completely indebted to you, God. Christ, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you paid the payment. God, not just for our salvation and the future deal, but God, for the here and now to give us your spirit that we could walk in joy and walk in ways that point to the glorified God of this world. God, if there are those in here, God, that just, they come today questioning, they come today, man, Christ, I don't, I don't know, I don't believe, I'm, Lord, just reveal. Reveal yourself powerfully, move in their hearts, convict of sin, and then lead them to your throne room where you will dwell in them. 
God, as we worship and sing, would you just be glorified? It's in your name we pray. Amen.